and where you find yourself five years from now is in direct correlation to the quality of the decisions you make between now and then. And so a leadership team done well becomes a decision-making machine. And that's the goal, is to, to make decisions quickly, appropriately, effectively, with a diversity of opinions and perspectives, with a common vision and a common aim. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome to the show. If this is the first time you're joining us, my name is Ron Huntley, and I'm awfully glad you are here. Today's episode is going to be an instructional video on how to have great leadership team meetings. What's a leadership team anyway? Well, for the missional parishes that we coach, it's a pastor's desire to share leadership in such a way that gets extraordinary results that they've never seen in their entire priesthood. The truth is, if you have a God-sized dream, you're not going to be able to do it with by yourself. I once heard the definition of leadership as the gift when done properly allows all the other gifts to flourish. I suppose put another way, that you can tell a leader not by the amount of followers they have, but by the amount of other leaders they raise up. And so it's one thing to be a successful parish in terms of having people, finances in order, and people coming to faith. It's another thing to be wildly successful. I often say it's not bums in seats that changes the world. It's people filled with the Holy Spirit that changes the world. And if you're a leader of anything, particularly a church, you're not going to be able to have a disproportionate impact unless you humble yourself and lead out of a team. That is my firm belief. Perhaps you're proving me wrong, in which case good for you. But for all those others who are looking to have a leadership team and work well out of a leadership team, you're going to have to have great meetings. I've coached for a long time, and the quality of your meetings can vary. They can go up, they can go down. You can have seasons of excellence and focus, and you can have seasons where you're stuck and dry and nobody wants to say anything because we're too nice. Well, that's not my problem. I mean, being too nice. I want to be very direct and help you guys be wildly effective, hopefully while being nice as well. And so I want to uh, kind of guide you to episode 84, where my son Christian and I kind of unpack how to create or uh, your own leadership team. So if that's where you haven't created a team yet, then you might want to go over to episode 84. But if you have a team and you want to have great meetings, then this episode is for you. And so the key is issues of where and why are leadership issues. That's about direction and inspiration. The what and the how are management issues. That's making sure we're efficient and effective. We need both clearly in parishes that are going to be missional. But today's episode is really a management issue in the sense that are your meetings efficient and effective? And so I want to tell you about some of the ingredients. So I'm going to keep looking over to my other iPad because I took some notes today to get ready for our podcast. But I, I want to share with you some of the content of a leadership team meeting, and then I want to break it down for you. And so here's what you're going to want to run through if you're starting or relatively new to leadership team meetings. These are your components. You're going to want to make sure that you pray. 
Uh, that sounds obvious, but I, I don't want to take that for granted. Second thing is you want to have check-ins. Third thing is you want to make sure you do some updates. Next, you're going to go to accountability items. Then you're going to dive into the issues that you're facing. You're going to wrap up and you're going to close in a prayer. So let's zip back up to the top when it comes to prayer. The prayer is relatively short. It's from the heart. And I would recommend that you take turns saying the prayer uh, or say or praying. And the reason for that is I expect everybody, we should expect everybody who's in a leadership role in a church to be able to pray out loud. And so be random, take turns and share that responsibility of praying out loud. Now, that sounds so simple, but so many Catholics, even Catholics that join the coaching team and uh, what, not the team, but your team, uh, when I start coaching them, they feel very uncomfortable. And I'm okay with uncomfortable, but I'm not okay with avoiding awkward situations to not grow through comfort. And so praying out loud, if it's uncomfortable, it's okay. But when we do it, I haven't had anybody die yet. And so let's continue to put people in those positions to begin to grow in praying out loud and leading people. So prayer is really important. It's not particularly long necessarily. There are all kinds of other platforms and formats within a missional parish that we do unbelievable corporate prayer. Your regular leadership team meetings, which should be happening every week, by the way, for about two hours, I would suggest, they uh, are going to require shorter amounts of prayer in the beginning. It assumes that the people in your leadership team are absolutely committed to their own personal prayer time and reading scripture. It also assumes that they go to your parish and are committed members of your parish, whether they're staff or volunteers. It's a really important piece because people need to be as committed to the call that God's put on your life as a pastor as you are. I hope when they, if they're woken up at night by issues, I hope they're issues of leadership and opportunity to bring people home to faith and make your church wildly explosive. And so their commitment's really important. So the next thing is you want to take some time to do check-ins. Check-ins are, are, are that relational component of just seeing how people are doing. Like we all come to our day with like a backpack on our, our, our stuff, our kids, our, our finances, our house, our responsibilities, the quality of our relationships. It's like we carry that around with us every time we go to a meeting. And so it's important to check in with people at the beginning to see how they're showing up. I'll often do it by asking people, what's your high? What's your low? It's the best thing that happened to you this past week. What's the thing that happened to you that was a bit of a bummer? And what's nice about sharing that is we can celebrate each other's wins because it's not uncommon for some of those things or a lot of those things to be personal. And we can also intercede and pray for people if they're going through a difficult time. In fact, many times I'd encourage you if it's something significant to stop right there, lay hands on that team member and pray for them on the spot, but high lows are a great way to stay connected in the lives of the people uh, that matter the most to you as a pastor in terms of your leadership team. And so that's what check-ins are. They don't take very long. We take about a minute or two each to talk about a high and a low. The next thing we move to is updates. So I haven't talked about this in the podcast yet, but we're going to get into at some point structure. And so having a leadership team, it doesn't take long from starting leadership team to creating organizational structures so that everyone on your leadership team is responsible for blessing others. Remember, I said leadership is the gift when done properly, allows all the other gifts to flourish. And so their role, part of their role as being part of the leadership team, is going to be to support others to make them great, to have impact in 
their ministries, to help them think through issues that, that impact their ministry. And so that's why the structure matters so much. So when we're giving updates, what we're giving updates on is our area of responsibility. Now, it's not the minutia of all the details, because that would bore people to tears, but it's, it's anything that's either an event coming up and or maybe some relational issues in terms of the ministries themselves. And again, it's so that collectively together as people on the leadership team, we can care for each other. I don't have to be directly supporting a particular ministry or person to care about what's going on in their life. If there's a sickness or, or, or maybe there's a big anniversary coming up, next time I see them, I want to either pray for them and tell them or tell them I'm praying for them and or celebrate their wins. And so updates are often relational in terms of the people that we serve, but they can be event-driven if there's anything coming up that the rest of the team will want to know because we don't want people to be blindsided or surprised if they're on the leadership team and something significant is happening in an area of ministry that you support and you didn't mention it, they're going to feel awfully silly if anybody asks them about it. The other part of that is we can become each other's vision carriers if we know what's going on in each other's ministries. Again, not the minutia, keep it quick, maybe two minutes each, just to give high-level updates. And so that's what the update portion of your leadership team meeting would look like. The next part is your accountability items. This is so critical. If we're going to get and maintain momentum, we're going to have to get in a rhythm of doing what we said we were going to do. And so the accountability items are the issue, the items on our list that we talked about in our last meeting where we made decisions and said we were going to do things. <laughs> and so I'll talk to you a little bit more about that later on. But for example, if I said I was going to talk to Jeff this week to see if I could get five of his guys to help out at the next alpha introduction, for example. Um, and that came up on the accountability list. I said I was going to do it by this date. Whoever's running the meeting would say, Ron, did you get in touch with Jeff this week? And I have to I have to fess, fess up. Either I did or I didn't. If I didn't, it's like, no, I didn't. But being accountable to that's really important. Well, Ron, why not? Well, actually, I called, but he was away. But he'll be back this week, so I'll get it done this week. Perfect. And or I was too busy. That's okay, too. Or I forgot. Well, fess up and hopefully you'll forget less. And if you did do it, it's like, yes, I did. He said, yes, everything's in place. Good. And so we can cross that off and move through the list. It, it creates some institutional integrity when we do what we say we're going to do over and over and over again. What I often find when I'm coaching parishes, they talk about things, but they don't decide who does what by when. That's really important. And how do we capture that and follow up on it so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle? That's what your accountability items are. And it's really important. And if you notice somebody's dropping ball over and over and over again, a couple of things are going on. One, maybe they have too much on the go. Maybe their part-time job needs to be turned into a full-time job. And although you don't have the time or the money yet, maybe that's something that you make a goal as a team. Or maybe they're losing interest. Perhaps at one point they were very dedicated to the role, but their interests have changed. Maybe it's family responsibilities and obligations. No matter what the issue is, it's important to recognize if there's a pattern of people not delivering on their areas of responsibility. And your accountability list really helps you do that. And so you run through the whole thing. Everything that was due this week, you run through the whole thing and make sure that people are on track. Then you move to the meatiest part of the meeting, and that is where you discuss issues. We want to deal with issues before they become problems. 
And so part of being a leadership team is identifying reality. Where are we at? Where are we at culturally? Where are we at in relation to our goals and objectives? Where are we at in terms of the direction for our vision? Where are we at financially? Like we need to be considering all of those things. And that's a lot to manage for one pastor. Just think about that. And that's the position these men are in. They're heroes. But as they share that leadership, people learn pretty quickly that if we're going to do anything significant, we have to share leadership because it's a huge burden. The truth is your ability and where you find yourself five years from now is in direct correlation to the quality of the decisions you make between now and then. And so a leadership team done well becomes a leadership, a decision-making machine. And that's the goal is to, to make decisions quickly, appropriately, effectively with a diversity of opinions and perspectives with a common vision and a common aim. And so that's what makes these conversations so robust. So getting into this section, which is really meaty, we're listing all of the areas of responsibilities that we have. So we might think about the fact, well, it's summer. So should we do an in, should we do a program for in August, uh, maybe a homily series welcoming people to the community because people move in the summer. It's a known fact. A lot of times people church hop in the summertime to find out where they're going to settle their family and kids. Well, beyond that, should we make sure that we have great hospitality during that period of time, especially? Hopefully it's always, but you know what I mean. Um, maybe we're thinking about, well, Advent, we kind of blew it last year because we waited till the last minute. Why don't we start planning that ahead of time so we can get all the liturgical pieces in place? Like, well, that's a good point. Um, so you can think about things that are in the future that you need to plan for, but you can also deal with all the issues now. Like maybe you're thinking like, geez, the person we have doing youth ministry let us down for the 15th time. No matter how many times I talk to them, this isn't coming around. And I think it's time we need to transition them into something else and be on the lookout for another youth minister. Ooh, never want to have those conversations, but if you're on the leadership team, we have to. And so you have to tackle all of the issues you're currently facing and write them down on the whiteboard. Oftentimes, what I recommend, I love having loads of whiteboards around a meeting room if you have them. Some people like to use a Google spreadsheet and share it. So that, that works well, whatever works for you. But I love the fact that people come in and anybody can put anything on the board. And the list can be as long as, as, long as the board is long. And it's important to capture everything, even if you know full well you're not going to get to everything. That's okay. What's key is that you're identifying and recognizing all of the issues that face us as leaders before they become problems. After if you made the whole list and maybe take a look at the stuff you didn't get to last week, then what you can do is decide, what are we talking about? What are the most important things for us to talk about that may or may not include the most urgent? I mean, you're going to have to get to the urgent things, but if all you're dealing with is urgent things, then you're not leading. So it's going to be really important to figure out as collectively as a team, where are we going to spend our time today that's going to have the biggest impact on the opportunities and obstacles we're currently facing as a church? And so that's really key. And so often what I like to do, because if, if the pastor is the only person that, that has a say on what we're going to talk about, eventually he'll be focusing on the things that either are most important to him or the things that are most dear to him or things he's best at. And some other things... Get, keep getting kicked down the road. And that might be something that's really important to some of the key people around that table. And they'll disengage eventually. And so I love to say to people, you know, hey, Kathy, what's the one thing you think we should talk about today if we only had time for one? 
And then I just put a check mark beside it. And then I go, Dave, what's the one thing other than that that you think we should talk about? Perfect. Hey, Father, uh, what's the one thing you think we should talk about? And you make that list. And then you start at the top. So what are the four, if you have four people in your leadership team, what are the four most pressing things we need to talk about? And then you start and you dive in. Here's the key. It's really important that you hear this. When you talk about a topic, make sure that you get to the heart of the problem. Like, why are we talking about this anyway? Like, let's say it's an Advent series. Why are we talking about it anyway? Because I think we should be prepared. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I think we were prepared enough last time. I think it was fine. What difference does it make anyway? Uh, no, we're good. Well, then we haven't agreed on a problem. And so sometimes it's like, well, just get a group of people together and do something. We just brush over it. But if that was restated, you know, why are we talking about that Advent thing anyway? Because you know what? We continually are letting down the liturgical committee and they're so frustrated with us because we tell them things the last minute and the music ministry is ready to choke us half to death. And Father, I know you like to write your homilies the last minute and you don't like to be hemmed in, but that's not good enough because we have two teams of people that are counting on us. They're so committed and dedicated to their craft of music and preparation and planning and getting the best readers and everything else. But we're not setting them up for success. And that's not fair. And what I'm finding on my team is we're losing people from those two teams. Morale is low and they feel we don't care about them. And as leaders, that's not good enough. We must fix that and we need to do a better job planning. That's why I want to talk about the Advent uh, process this year. It's like, okay. <laughs> do you guys agree that that's a problem? that people feel that they're not cared about and are starting to disengage and we're losing good people, would you agree that that is worth talking about? Yep. <laughs> good. Now we can talk about solutions. But if you don't get to the heart of it and why it matters, you'll gloss over it. And that's never cool because then it comes up again and again and again, and you don't get any better. Remember I talked about that institutional effectiveness, like, if you don't get good at getting to the heart of the problems and solving them, people are not going to trust your leadership. And I see it all the time. So get to the heart of the issue and gain agreement within that room. Because once you do, now you can get to the real problem. Or sorry, real solutions, because you've identified the real problem. Does that make sense? I hope you hear me on that. I hope this little clip gets played 4,000 times because it matters so much in terms of really solving problems as leaders and gaining momentum and earning the trust of the people you lead as a leadership team. Super important. When you get to the heart of the issue, now you can start talking about solutions. You know, maybe it's, hey, Betty, um, how come we keep dropping the ball? Well, and maybe Betty's too busy. Maybe Betty's not the person to be running it. Maybe somebody else should be taking on that project. But you, as you start exploring solutions, it becomes clear, hopefully clear, because people have different perspectives. You know, Father might say, oh, you know, just do this, this, and this. Well, Father, you don't get it because there's way more behind all those things than, than, than you think because you just say something and things happen. But there's a lot of pieces in place. And so it's not as simple as you think. It's like, okay, well, let's explore it some more. And so everybody will have a different angle and different perspectives. And as those come to the table, it makes it easier for you to make decisions. And so the decision might be, all right, here's the deal. Ron's going to gather a team. 
uh, by next week. And that team is going to put a written plan in place, not only for this Advent, but every Advent. And we're going to work it backwards from Advent in terms of dates and responsibilities, times, themes, and when we're going to have music out and everything else. So we don't just solve this problem once. We solve it once and for all. I guess we do solve it once. We don't just deal with it once and it keeps coming back every year. We want to solve it once and for all so that it goes away. And so now Ron's on the hook for doing something. So who does what by when? Ron is going to gather a team by next week and he's going to have a written plan two weeks later. Uh, does anybody need to know? Uh, not until he maybe has the plan, but maybe he'll engage with the people in the plan as he's putting it together before they launch it. Good. Clear. Done. Next topic. That makes sense. Those are issues. Dealing with important issues. Getting to the heart of the problem, not glossing over it. And then exploring solutions and hearing from everybody, not just whoever has the strongest opinion or speaks the loudest. Mining for everybody different ideas and solutions and perspectives so that when we make a decision, it's the best decision possible. Let me tell you one of the problems I see teams running into all the time. Something comes up, and whoever brought it up, let's say it's, um, uh, let's see here. We need a new stage for the, the praise and worship band. Um, okay, so the person that brings up says, we need a new stage for the praise and worship band. Um, I called uh, my father-in-law. Uh, he's willing to do it. He can get a discount um, on the equipment uh, and the lumber, and uh, he's got a team. Knights of Columbus is going to take care of it, and we should have that place in a week or so. And especially when a priest does that, it just shuts it down for everybody else. Like, you've identified the problem, you've solved the problem, and you already have it in motion, and we didn't even agree that it is a problem. You know, maybe we're phasing out praise and worship music, and we're looking to get a, uh, a juice harp band going, and they don't need a stage. Uh, you know, but when we bring something up, move straight into solutions, and then talk about the action we've already taken, you don't need a leadership team. You've literally done all the thinking for them. And if you're somebody who has strong and strategic thinking themes, you'll probably have already done a lot of that thinking in your head, and you will have not brought your team along with you. And if you do that over and over again, you will disengage your team. And so don't get ahead of yourself. Bring those things up. Talk about them. Get to the heart of the problem. Explore solutions together so that everybody's bought in. If you keep running ahead of people, you will disengage them. You'll have a dysfunctional leadership team. People, even on your team, will start to pull away and distrust because you're running way too far ahead. Because in your head, you've already thought all this through because you're strong in strategic thinking themes. That's a wonderful gift, but when I use poorly, really alienates people and shuts down the trust on your leadership team. Okay? And so I see that happen time and time again. The other thing I see happen is the topic comes up, and again, everybody moves to solutions. And so we have solutions to problems we don't agree on. And so when we talk about, happened to me just the other day, I was helping a company, that uh, talked about having a, a mentor role in their leadership structure. And I could tell by the way the conversation was going, we didn't have the same definition of what a mentor would look like in that structure. And so the perspectives and the ideas that were being brought to it were, were incon incongruent. And so I said, well, I want to back up a minute. What do you think I mean by that term? And we talked about it. And until we clarified that term, 
we were never going to get on the same page. In fact, I could see disengagement taking place on the team because they thought I was lumping extra work on them and hoping they didn't get paid for it. And that's not it at all. Um, so my point is make sure that as you're talking about topics that come up, that you have the same definitions and agree on the problem. The other piece is like if we were talking about, you know, let's say the introduction to, um, or how we conclude mass every week, we do it the same way every time and we don't do a very good job. And so that's why I put it up there. And it's like, well, I think we do a good job. Well, I don't think we do. I've talked to a few people on the music team and they don't like it. It's like, okay, because if you don't like it, that's your opinion, but that's not my opinion. Is it your opinion? And you're split. Sometimes people are split. And then it's frustrating because I want to solve the problem. I think I know how I can do it. Or you want to solve the problem. You think you know how you can do it, but we don't agree. And so what do we do? Do we just get really emotional, try to one-up each other and see who wins? That happens. Or maybe the what's the problem when the problem isn't the problem? Like Maybe we don't have a way of assessing whether or not what we're doing is good. Maybe that's a bigger problem right now. So we have different opinions, as that happens sometimes in churches, that people have different opinions. But maybe we need a way of assessing effectiveness. It's like, oh. And so why don't we find a way and come up with a plan to check in on our liturgical effectiveness and maybe break down the different parts of the liturgy and maybe we can get random groups of people at different times to give us feedback on those things and maybe we can kind of chart it. It's like, maybe that's the bigger problem because if we're really effective and it's working, then maybe you don't need to change it. Maybe you need to take that energy and put it somewhere else. But if all you're going on is opinions, especially if those opinions are divided on a leadership team, um, you're going to have to, maybe there's another problem that you have to go to rather than that problem, that particular problem. Did I confuse you to death? I hope not, because those are some of the common things I see on leadership teams all the time. Talk about the issue. Make sure you have the same definitions and you agree on the heart of the problem. If you can't, perhaps there's another problem you need to solve to eventually get to that problem. But once you agree, then hear from everybody. And again, pastors, be careful not to move too fast to solutions for the sake of getting through the whole agenda. We need to be efficient with tasks, but effective with people. So don't bull people over. Not helpful. We need to decant and pull out people's perspectives and idea because that's where the wisdom is in shared leadership. Once you've solved the problem and agree, then you need to ask these four questions. Who does what by when and who needs to know? Got it? Well, I'll tell you, that's where you're going to spend, hopefully, the bulk of your leadership team meetings. The more you do that, again, a lot of these conversations can be very robust. We have different perspectives. Don't let people bowl over other people. Call them out on their behavior. If they're moving along too fast or what have you, then tell them you need to back off. You're shutting people down. We can't, we can't be behaving like that in our leadership team meetings. We're going to get to stuff, but the stuff takes time. And so check each other's behaviors. Make sure that you're having the, you're treating people with respect and yet giving people the freedom to speak. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree passionately. It's what makes me, <laughs> it's what makes meetings fun. 
And let's make sure that at the end of the day, if we disagree with something, bring it up. Don't, don't bury it and assume people understand by your passive-aggressive behavior that they know what you're getting at. Speak up. Mind for conflict. If you see somebody starting to pull away in the meeting, either emotionally, physically, body language, ask them what's going on. Get to the heart of it and pull all that stuff out. Because if you do, you're going to make better decisions and keep people highly engaged. And all those things matter if you're going to have consistently effective, life-giving leadership team meetings. Then you're going to just wrap up. Just, hey, these are the things that we decided on. These are the things that we committed to. Again, you might want to capture it in a Google Sheet. If you're doing it all on the whiteboard, you can just take a picture of the whiteboard and use that for the following meeting. And then you end in a prayer, kind of like you did at the beginning. Take turns praying, pray from the heart, uh, so that we're all growing in our ability to lead prayer out loud. Have your leadership team meetings every single week. It's really important to choose a time that is sacred to your collective calendars. Doesn't mean people won't miss from time to time, but have the meeting without them. Not everybody has to be there. If somebody's away, it's okay. Do we want everybody there most of the time? Of course, probably 80% of the time you want everybody there. But from time to time, people will miss. Meet anyway. Stay consistent. Because as you're continuing to make up, make those great decisions, you're freeing up other ministry leaders to continue moving forward and pressing into your vision. My friends, leading out of a team has probably been the most important evolution and transformation that I've seen in pastors and bishops as they lead their parishes and dioceses. Do it. Learning to do that well is critically important, and you can do it. I hope today's episode has been helpful for you. If you have any comments or questions, anything else, I know I'm going to listen to this back and go, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? But hopefully that will give you the meat of great leadership team meetings that will get you on your way. If you have, again, any other questions or comments, send them to us. Go to the website, uh, huntleyleadership.com, and, and, and fill in, uh, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, send us some questions, and we'll try to get back to you with some answers. Maybe this will be one my team says, Ron, we should re-record that, um, in which case we will. We want to continue to bring you value. Thanks for what you're doing. You know, if we do this really well, just think about how many people we can bring home to God. Jesus matters. He's alive and he loves us. He loves our friends and our families and our neighbors. And we can do church in such a way that we gain people's trust. We do things effectively with high level of quality. There's nothing like it. And so thanks for all you're doing. God bless you. And we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.